It was always about the politics and it was always about the art. That's what Lindy Morrison, best known as the drummer in the Go-Betweens, said when accepting the Lifetime Achievement Award at the 2023 Queensland Music Awards. She went on to say, we musicians here in Queensland have always been outsiders, misfits, alternate and countercultural. And this is what we know. In our art, there lies a truth and in our music, a salvation. Lindy Morrison, welcome to the year that made me. Oh, hello, Julian. <laughs> it's great to have you, Lindy. Uh, the go-betweens are so indelibly connected to Brisbane and Queensland that I was shocked to learn that you were born in Sydney. Could you tell us about your <laughs> early years? <laughs> well, I was born in Sydney and, and my first year was in Nowra. My dad was a GP in Nowra and then he brought the entire family up to Brisbane uh, when I was one. So I really didn't spend that much time in Sydney, but my mum was always fairly bitter that uh, she was removed from Sydney to uh, Brisbane and she continually uh, was pejorative about Brisbane, referring to it as a small country town. Oh, it's just a small country town, she'd say. <laughs> well, growing up in Brisbane, particularly, I suppose, Brisbane and Queensland in Joe Bjocke-Peterson's times was a pretty particular experience. Could you take us back to, say, 1970s Brisbane and your, say, early work as a social worker with the Aboriginal Legal Service and what it was like in terms of, as we said at the outset, the politics as well as the art? Well, it was it was an incredibly racist state and Indigenous people were um, incarcerated on reserves and we wanted to repeal the act that did that and they'd been moved to places like Sherbourg and Palm Island and we were trying to set up um, legal services throughout Queensland. But we, I'd go to the courts most days and get bail for people who had been picked up the night before just leaving pubs. That was the problem. Indigenous people were walking around the streets, they'd get picked up. And uh, the Indigenous people who were concerned about what were happening and hanging around the legal service started what was called a pig patrol where, we, where we'd go out at night and get people home from um, pubs so that they wouldn't be picked up or at least monitor what was happening with the police. But then, of course, the right to march was banned because of the marches and, and the increasing authoritarian ruled by the corrupt cops and, and the Bjelke-Peterson government. And, of course, this was all exposed by the Fitzgerald inquiry. And many of us knew what was going on, particularly those who were working in bands around the Fortitude Valley in Brisbane in the late 70s. How did you get into music and the music scene? I was living in a house in the early 70s with a group of actors and musicians that included Jeffrey Rush and Billy Brown and Trevor Stewart, who's from Coco Loco in the UK now. And there was a music room, a dedicated music room, and I used to sit down and play the drums there. A few years passed before I became very serious about it. I left social work. I'd travelled overseas. We all, the whole house went overseas and the men went to different um, schools like Jeffrey went to Lecoq and Trevor went to De Crew and Billy went to Shakespeare Company. And we all came back in drips and drabs and I was doing acting, but I had to make a decision because drumming is so specialised and I knew that I had to decide what to do. And um, I decided to take on drums because of the politics and I thought that the only effective way of fighting the politics in the state was playing punk music. Obviously, Lindy, punk was really important to you. Tell us a bit about the punk scene and your involvement with it. Well, I, th I think that there were 
lots of really great punk bands like Razor and The Leftovers and and The Survivors, if you'd call them punk, maybe they were more rock, but they'd go, you know, and play and they'd know that the gigs were going to get knocked on the head at the end of the night, that when they left, they were going to get picked up and there were boys with, you know, literally no one to look after them. And I was in Zero, which was an all-girl punk band, well, predominantly female. And they were really wild women, you know. They'd come up from Sydney. And and uh, the first thing they said to me was, you know, you, you've you got to wear sensible shoes, Lindy, because we're always going to be running. And we were, you know. We went to demonstrations. We did – when the Dean brothers were knocking down buildings, we'd go there and we'd demonstrate in the streets and try to stop anything that was happening. We were – pro-choice, obviously. I was older than them, but I felt like I was learning from them. I'm still in touch with all of them. In fact, I just went down to Duck My Phone did a gig with one of the women. It was the first time we'd played together in 44 years. (laughs) On the year that made me, we're speaking with Lindy Morrison and hearing about the wild times of the punk scene in Brisbane in the 70s and beyond. But, Lindy, let's move on now to the band that you're probably – most known for your association with being the third member of the go-betweens, the third person to join. That was a pretty wild time in many ways as well. Could you tell us about the roller coaster that was the go-betweens? Um, the wild times that were the go-betweens. Well, much has been said about that, Julian. Indeed. Much has been written about that. There are books, there are documentaries, there are <laughs> There's so much written about it. I cannot add to it. I hear you. I hear you. I suppose what's interesting, though, is that we're here to talk about the year that made you. And of all the things that we've talked about so far, you you haven't chosen any of those as the year that made you. Why is that? Because I'm sick of talking about them. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Um, Well, let's move on then. What is the year, Lindy, that you've chosen as the year that made you and why? Well, (laughs) I, I, I think I'm ruining this interview for you, aren't I? (laughs) <laughs> Not at all. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. So I chose 2022. You know, I spent a lot of time in the industry, for instance, amongst many other people in the music industry, I helped to establish Support Act, the music industry charity. Yes. And I worked as a national welfare coordinator for that for 25 years. It was always part-time. And I also sat on the PPCA board and PPCA is the collection society for the fees that are taken when a sound recording is used in public performance or communication. And um, I ran lots of community music programs and I I also taught. So I did a lot of jobs in the music industry. And I I decided the year before that I was going to stop and just – I was just going to have a last hurrah. I decided in – April 21, that was it. I was done and just stopped every job, resigned from everything. It was a gamble because I could have done that and nothing happened. But I was very, very fortunate that I met up with a number of people. I met up with uh, Rob Snarsky and in 2022 we started the Snarsky Circus Lindy Band and we've recorded and I've been on the road absolutely solidly since January this year. I have played all over Australia and I also had a month in the UK where I played, I recorded with a band called The Girl with a Replaceable Head that used to be Hurrah and also toured with and recorded for the BBC with 
uh, a guy called Rob Lloyd from the Nightingales who'd done an album with Janet Bean. She's a country artist from Chicago. Freakwater's her band. So I chose this year, 2022, the year of 2022, because, you know, I got back on the road and started mm. doing what I started doing, what I chose to do. And it's significant because this is how I'll see my life out. And when you become aware of the race to the end, you want to use that race as, as much as you can. You want to run it as fast as you can. And I realized in 2022 how close I was to seeing the end. And I wanted to exploit it as much as possible till I get to the end. Lindy, well, can that you was all cheery, wasn't it? <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Lindy, can you give us a sense of what it's like now? re-engaging with music as your full-time solo passion. Does it feel different from when you were on the road full-time in the past? I feel very, very much the same when I'm on the road. It's the same camaraderie with this absolutely wonderful band, the Snarsky Circus Lindy Band. It, it was the same in the UK, the camaraderie. I'm so comfortable around musicians and I – there's no doubt that I chose to be a musician because of the particular quirks in my personality and the particular way that I'm much more acceptable with a group of musicians than I am, say, if I was working in a corporation, you know, because I think there are aspects to my personality that I can't actually describe to you, but that may be off-putting to some people. Um, and, well, do tell and, us more and, about and, that. <laughs> No, because I can't analyse that, Julian. Mm. <laughs> I'm unable to analyse that. I'm sure many people could, but uh, I can't analyse that. Anyway, I'm, what I was saying, I'm, I love the camaraderie. And, do you know, I actually enjoy the drives and I enjoy the getting of the planes and I, enjoy, I love the gigs more than anything in the world. Like playing is just fantastic. There are a few differences and that is my body's just not as good as it used to be and it's it, it wears more, you know, like mm. I come off a few days and I actually have to rest. I mean, physically rest. I have to be still for a day and just hang around the house and do little chores. So, yeah, it's been really, really great. It's been incredible to record. I'm mm. so much more confident recording now, you know, and, and, and in control of the recording, of course, like towards the end of the go-betweens. The producer on 16 Lovers Lane clearly was putting the drums in the background because of my quirky way of playing and, and straightening me out. And, you know, that was why the album was successful. And <laughs> and uh, so to be back and doing what I want to do and working with such lovely, lovely people has been just a gift. Well, Lindy, it's been delightful speaking with you. You sound happy and fulfilled, and so why not have 2022 as the year that made you? We wish you very many more happy years of performing and being on the road. Uh, we always finish the year that made me with a piece of music, and I suppose for a uh, professional musician, that's maybe a bigger challenge to ask the question, what shall we finish up with today? We're going to play Shane O'Mara, Where's Mascara? And do you want to hear the story? Oh, yes, please. Oh, good. I've got to say, um, it, is a, it is a title which does seem to beg the question of uh, how that came about. <laughs> thank you. Okay, so we're playing in Castlemaine, 
Now, I know how to pronounce Castlemaine because <laughs> I've told this story at many a venue and at every venue, whenever I said Castlemaine, there was always some smart-ass in the audience who'd yell out Castlemaine. <laughs> uh, so, so Castlemaine, Theatre Royal, and someone would yell out Royal Theatre. And um, <laughs> now they put you up at the back behind the stage. So it, it was just the... The four of us staying there, not Dan Kelly. So there is Dan Kelly lives in Castlemaine. He's our bass player. Graham Evil Lee on steel pedal. Shane O'Mara, of course, who's on guitar. Rob and I. And so it's us four kind of in a line sleeping behind the stage. You know, this is why I love being back on the road, Julian, because our bunking is always so much fun. And uh, anyway, so the backstage was permeated with the most disgusting smoke. It was rancid. It was rank. It was pure bad odour. And when we opened the stage door, there was a tree covered in white blooms. And this tree only stinks for one month of a year. And it's covered in bees and and hairy-legged flies that go there and do stuff with pollen. And the smell was so horrible. And we shut the door and came back in and berated the manager about why I didn't cut down the tree, which wasn't very green. And then uh, all of us were like we're out of our minds with this rank, rank smell. And and, and that's why the song was written, because we're out of our minds and now that the song <laughs> will make sense. But, but, but the tree itself is called the ornamental pear, but the locals call it. And this is not how I identify uh, this smell. The locals call it the cum tree. (laughs) (laughs) It took long. It took a long time, but we got there. (laughs) We did get there. And, well, Lindy, thanks for going through the exhausting process of speaking with us on The Year That Made Me. I've got to say, after that story, I'm I'm glad that we're listening to the song and not smelling it as well, but let's have a listen. (laughs) And, Lindy Morrison, thank you once again. Yeah, thanks. Listen up.